Are you looking for a new kind of talk show? One that motivates and encourages you to follow your passions? Welcome to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. You'll hear from a variety of guests from all walks of life. Now, here is your host, Eugenia Foxworth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Foxworth Theory. And I am your host, Eugenia Foxworth, and we've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. This show is about art, entertainment, fashion, and business. And we are introducing and interviewing the movers and the shakers worldwide. And we will allow them to tell their story. Born in Brooklyn in 1976, Manny Davis and his siblings were placed in the foster care system at a young age where he suffered abuse from caretakers. After being placed in Jamaica, Queens, New York, I believe hospital, thanks to a local beautician whom he'd visited, Manny met entertainer Alta Vis Davis, wife of the legendary Sammy Davis Jr. and a longtime friend and customer of the beauty parlor owner whom she visited from the age of five, Manny would often accompany Altavis back to California and to Las Vegas, where he'd spent time with both she and Sammy Davis Jr. The couple and Manny bonded. And in 1989, Sammy and Altavis legally adopted Manny. Please join me as I welcome Mr. Manny Davis to the Foxware Theory. Thank Hello. you. Hey. Welcome. I am honored that you wanted to talk to me in the first place. So this is your forum and thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I admired your mother and your father. So I have a few questions and thank you for allowing me to interview you. Yes, Tell me about your early life, your early days, where you separated from your family and how did you end up in foster care? Okay, well, uh, that's a great question because it's like, it's actually, to for personally my life, it's my whole entire story. I, I did this one interview with Kevin uh, Goins um, and his friend Pat O'Brien, you know, about adopted tweens. But like when I did the interview, they didn't know I was adopted twice, but I was also adopted as a teenager. But I grew up in um, abusive homes, neglectful homes. And it's just like, I mean, we were never taught anything, never learned anything. That, that normal life is just how it was for us. So. I just like only thing that kind of saved me when I think about it, it was like I saw like different strokes. I saw Webster, you know, I, I saw Oliver, you know, I saw uh, Annie. And I was like, I want that to happen in my life. So that's why when I get a chance to write a book, hopefully whenever it happens, Little Orphan Manny, because I Sammy was my daddy Warbucks. 
And the lady that came and took Annie out of that and introduced him to Daddy Warbucks, that was my mother, Althaviz. So, and I was Annie, but I'm Manny now. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I felt. Okay. But would you consider, well, you just said, you considered Altavish, um, uh your Annie. And so to me, that's like your angel. I, I'm, or your I'm Annie. Oh, yep, no. <laughs> she was the lady that found oh, that's Annie. That's right. I remember Daddy Annie Warbucks. and Daddy Warbucks. We got married, and then we were yes. family. Like, yeah. Right. And the, But the lady that took you, yes. you considered her she was my woman. Wife. Yes. Yes. And so would you consider Altavis, your angel and fairy godmother, for coming into your life at such a young age? age and that's what I think you were saying to me and 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 that's a great question and the answer is yes because I know we're going to talk about a lot of things you're going to find out at the end that yes because when um when it came to down to her last days and uh the person that wrote Sammy's first and last book and for Sammy being a bad father to his kids or, or he felt you know or him giving the shaft uh, in Hollywood his whole life, or Altavis never getting a chance to have a family. Uh, in the end, and it was uh, 2009 when she passed away, the only one person they thought they can do this, and honor it correctly. So, yes, Manny Davis. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to tell you this story. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear it, and my audience as well. I'm sure they are excited about it. What do you remember the most about Altavis? I know you're going to tell me everything in the end, but what do you remember the most? Something that just was... oh, 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 like, everything. I was like, like to be honest with you, is like she was so like because like you know you you grew up in Brooklyn, you raised in Queens. It was like the seventies, early eighties. Life was changing. We just got out of the sixties. All the stuff, everything else. I was not a part of this. I was adopted, you know? So it was like, this was not a part of my family. But the fact that she found me, like, the first thing I thought about was how stately and beautiful she was. Because she was in entertainment as well as my father. And so that's the one thing I was like, wow, I want to be a part of that. I'm listening to your voice. And... There are a couple of words because I've watched his shows. I listened to him on the music channel on TV. And when you said something and your voice went low, you know, I, you have I, a I, voice. I know you're not related, but you know, we assimilate a lot of people. So, yeah, like, like, uh, so, okay, so, like, let me embellish upon that. I, so, I apologize for that. The one thing about um, my mother, my father, my, myself. I told this to uh, <laughs> Kevin. And the cool thing is, if you look at the acronyms, you got Sammy Davis Jr., Alphys Davis, and Manny Davis. And it all comes out to S-A-M. So all of us, as kids, wanted to entertain because that's what we had in common. And I think that's, that's what my mother and father felt when he met me, when he thought he was going to be a good father, he felt that this kid has something going on. Reminds me of myself, reminds me of my wife, and then they both felt the same thing. And 
years later after their passing. You know, so I I I don't know. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> I understand. So what were some of the darkest moments while in foster care? Um, well, I'll t- I'll talk about that because like um it's just like okay, imagine. I mean, I don't want you guys to imagine, but I will tell you. But imagine, like, the worst things you can do to a little kid that can't take care of himself. Imagine all of it happening to you. And imagine not knowing it was bad in the first place. And imagine not knowing until you got into a better life. So everything was just normal, and it just happened all the time. And that's what, like, when you found out that it wasn't supposed to happen like that, then that's when you feel like really shafted, you know? You wish there was a voice for you. You wish there was somebody to help you out. You wish there was somebody to take you away from it. And so that's why, um, cause like when I got adopted for the first time, it was me and my three brothers. And the thing is, I got a chance to watch TV for the first time and saw stories about people getting adopted like Oliver and Annie and different strokes and every, all those. And just wish that my life was like that. And Annie happened to be mine and my name wanted to be a Manny to be. <laughs> so I was like, it, it was, it felt so weird because like, I just dreamed about this life and I got a chance to live it. And that's where we take the story in a different direction. You know, I had a dream happened to, yeah, like he, he, I'm sorry. You visualized it and you wanted it and it came to be. It's like if you say it's going to rain, it's going to rain. I told you that was going to happen, but yours was so positive. And when it rains, it pours. But like it, it was, it was negative. It was positive. And I'm going to, I'm going to push a little forward because like I want to give you this whole forum to ask a, a bunch of questions. So imagine, okay. Your dream comes true. You're Annie right now. You made Daddy Warbucks. You move in the mansion and everybody's kissing your butt, right? And then stuff like, I, I'm just trying to curse. So when I say stuff, I mean sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, okay, the dream comes true. This man passes away after eight years of getting you in his life because he believed in you dies five months later and you get uh-huh. everything that's taken away from you and you go oh. right back to where you were. Wow. But what was it like to live with Sammy and Alta Beast during that five month period? Oh, okay. So I was in their life to just let you know, um, eight years. So, cause like I, I started to go through the adoption process. So I, I lived in New York city at this place where the first lady adopted me and where they adopted me from. That's why I'm adopted twice over, you know? So, so imagine like um, you live in an abusive home and you get the chance to go live an opulent lifestyle for a couple of days or weeks out of the year. Like, I mean, really like a lot frequently to be honest with you, because they had um, dreams of, of adopting me and having me a part of their family. So it's just like, you get a bunch of good stuff. You get it accomplish a couple of things and you go home to people that don't get a chance to experience that. So that that's like one caveat to that 
But other than that, how it felt to me was like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. And I was with the candy man. <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I was like, oh. So like, oh my gosh, I, I met, I met all the coolest people, all the most famous people in like, like Michael Jackson. I got a chance to meet Frank Sinatra. Like he was such a great, oh, he, I mean, his whole family. But every, imagine <laughs> what I found in the last 13 years dealing with this is like, my father knew everybody. So it's like, I got a chance to meet all your favorite people's favorite people. And my father happened to be their favorite person, so. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like a wonderful dream, but tell me, when you moved in with them, did you realize who they really were and what they meant? Or was it just your new mom and dad taking you in and creating a home for you? I love that question. Cause like I, when, I, when I talked to Kevin, I was like, okay, I want, I want you to ask me some open questions. <laughs> so for me, right? Uh, no, I mean, what, like what 12 or 13 year old watches the news? Who does it at eight or five or anything before that? So it's like, for me, this is something I didn't tell him. Like, I didn't, I honestly did not know my father was dying of cancer. He did, and my mother knew. So everything they did before he passed away was to make sure that I was there because there was something in the eight years I was with him that he believed in and she believed in, and he wasn't going to be there anymore. And so they did everything they could to make sure that I would be there to take on them this mantle. But it, I mean, watching Sammy, it's like I was awestruck. Like I, I like imagine going, because oh, he was so awesome all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you mean these celebrities all the time? I just go downstairs to get a soda, and there's Jesse Jackson, there's Michael Jackson, and think of any other Jackson, they were there too. <laughs> I went to school with Jermaine Jackson's son. I'm saving David Jr.'s son. Like, this is how this is how it was. Because I've been uh, taught to be very humble. But imagine like going to school in Beverly Hills and trying to pretend that you are not his son. I didn't even know that they were protecting me on all ways. So all I did was not mention who I was. And I didn't even know that everybody knew who I was. Their parents, too. That's why I got invited to all the people's houses. That's why everybody treated me so good. I felt like this nerdy-looking Urkel guy right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I would get good grades. I don't want I, I to leave this house. This is where I want to be. And that's where it was most tragic because when I, once I finally got there, died five months later, and we lost everything. But before that, would you say, or even now, would you say that they saved your life? Yes, they definitely saved my life. Like, all I can think about is, um, well, you know, I've been abused as a child. You could think about any type of abuse you could do to a little child. I, you know, I dealt with all that. And, um, you know, when I hear news stories about people that do harm to other people, and then they blame it on that stuff. It happened to me, not by myself, but me and my brothers as well, you know? And the thing is, like, I never, and they never did either. We always stayed in church. We 
We never use that as an excuse to harm other people. So when people tell me that, I mean, every experience is not the same. But for me, all I know is like, it sucked. And I would never do that to anybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine like getting saved from that, living a, a different lifestyle, and then going back and they'll tell everybody, hey, these things are possible. That's what I got a chance to do. And that's why when my father passed away, I was straight in the church, became a youth minister. And I've seen a lot of um, abused children. And we just went to church every day. And just, I was the, <laughs> like, I was the guy that, you know, like, come on, man. Like, if you're 16 or 17 years old, don't I ever think I would have 10 or 11, 12 year old type of thing, whatever, if that not your family. But other than that, they looked up to us. I just took that opportunity to do, take their family out their households just in case something bad was happening and take those kids out also. So I'll just be the coolest guy in this boat every day. You'll get just love. And that's what I experienced from Sammy and Altavis. And that's what I try to do with everybody else. Right. And that, that, that is um, commendable and it's from listening to you, you're helping a lot of people, um, maybe those you don't even know, but uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's a story. It's, it's, as you said, it's a positive, it's a negative, but it still gives you hope no matter where you are. Like you said, you watched Annie and everything. But what do you think would have happened to you if it had oh. not been for Altavis? I mean, it's a vast question, but I, you said I could say whatever. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Listen, you got it. Listen, that's a question. You know what? To be honest with you, that's a question that's never been asked of me. So you get it officially. Um, it's something never answered, but something I always question about myself. So, yeah, this is us doing it right now together. Oh, my gosh. I have. I, okay, so I think I would say that this is why... I always try to help people out, just disenfranchised. If, if Sammy never, I would, I don't, I don't think personally that I would have hurt somebody else, but I would have never known a better way to live a life. So that's all I have to say about that. Cause it's like, I've seen a lot of people make a lot of bad decisions because they had the same life. And I've seen a lot of people that had the same life that I live with, had to go through with them, but saw me as an outlet because I got a chance to take get out of it and then come back, you know? But the thing is, no, I I don't I I I don't know if my life would have been better. Like I, I don't know who I was. I mean, imagine being adopted two times. Imagine me and thrown out of three different households. Like I had three different parents, never met my real father. And my real mother, she's still alive. And the two women that adopted me, they're dead. So it's like, uh, who was I supposed to be? And you never know that. So imagine living a life, not knowing who you really are, but just trying to make something of yourself or just be 18 years old and leave the house because that's when you're on your own and you don't got to get abused anymore. So if Sammy and Altavis didn't adopt me, I would have eventually turned 18 or actually... Could have, uh, I could have uh, left the home at 16 because I, I, I really could have uh, graduated 16 years old, but I graduated at 17. But either way, 
I left home at 17 to go in the army and just been taking my care of myself ever since. So yeah, like I, I, I would have gotten really upset at what, how my life was going and left, you know, like, cause like my brothers that were adopted with me, they ran away. Luckily I was adopted out. So yes, either way, all of us were gone. So I mean, it's like, hey, well, f this, like <laughs> you know, like Oliver is like, you want more? It's like <laughs> that. <laughs> so no, nah, like, luckily I was adopted out, but my brothers ran away while, while and, going to high school. Yeah, I wasn't there. I was in the army, by then, you know. Right. But I would have, yes, I to answer your question. Nah, this is this is not what I wanted in my life. This is not what like all the bad stuff. Hey, what kid wants that? No, I didn't, even, I didn't. I didn't know my middle name. I didn't know I have a last name. I didn't know I have a birthday. I didn't know that uh, Jesus Christ existed, kind of somewhat. Or we want to deal with it because that's a different story. And I want you to ask me about that. Uh, Santa Claus, people, you know, like everything. Just imagine, just not. You got kids. You feed them. That's about it. Never had a child. It really kind of. You know, so I do everything regardless of what happened in my life, and that's what kind of gives me my energy. And you've got a lot of energy. And thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of questions, and we'll answer all those. What are your fondest memories of Sammy Davis Jr.? Okay. Uh, okay. So. I remember Sunshine Cookies. They made the Sunshine Candy Man. Candy. He did that. But, oh, yeah, the Candy Man. The Candy Man. They actually came out with the new Candy Man movie. And I was thinking months ago, I was like, you know what would be cool? Because I'm running as a state now. I'm like, you know what would be cool? If I if they actually use Sammy Davis singing the Candy Man for the Candy Man movie. And they actually did it. But my fondest memories of Sammy Davis Jr. were just watching him on stage. Just watching, I, I mean, I, I they, they, he could sing, he could dance, he was funny, he did all these impersonations, and he was exactly who I wanted to be in my life. My mother was too, though. So, like I said, like when my mother and father were children, they spent their whole childhood honing their craft, and then they just found me and my young, my youth, you know, and fostered that as well. And I'm gonna have to be the foster home. It's like so many things that, that go together. So they, I just think they saw themselves in me. And every time I watched Samuel on stage, it was just amazing. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you a story right now. Like it was one time I took my face off the um, stage. I watched Sammy sing the same songs, different places like Vegas, Tahoe, Land City, at home, or any place else we had to go, right? So then all of a sudden I heard like a different like beat being played, right? All of a sudden he's like, your butt is mine. And I promise you, whoever, whoever's watching this, look up Sammy Davis Jr. singing I'm Bad by Michael Jackson, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, your butt is mine. And, and, and you know, Sammy, he didn't, he didn't use like a, he used an orchestra. So they was playing whatever they played. And Sammy was dancing, your butt is mine. I was sitting there drinking a Shirley Temple. That's my little, you know, <laughs> I was a kid, so I could Shirley Temple or Roy Rogers, you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> I was like, your butt is mine. I'm like, that sounds awfully familiar. And so 
I watched, I looked on the, on, on the stage and Sam was like, I'm bad, ow, bad, ow. Luckily, you guys can't see my cries, but I'm grabbing it because that's what Sammy did on stage. And everybody, audience were just laughing. And I just, imagine, Michael Jackson was one of my hugest heroes besides Sammy Davis Jr. You got Sammy Davis Jr. grabbing his crutch, talking about he knew Jackson when he was a kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Because I still had to go home. I wasn't adopted yet. I was like, oh my God, like, you can't <laughs> tell anybody that story, right? <laughs> but what, what's worse than that, <laughs> my mother Alteris knew better. And so when the show ended, <laughs> we went to the green room. It was Michael Jackson with the white glove with Emmanuel Lewis. And my name happens to be Emmanuel. It's Manny now, but yeah, I was like, and you know what? I was so nervous to meet him. All I did was like this. And you know what he did with the white glove? Bam! Like, that's like, oh my gosh. Like, I was like, yeah. I was so nervous. I, just, I had nothing to say when I met him, but he was, yes, Michael Jackson. I cried when I finally passed away. Yeah, and that's what people saw in me. But no, no, I was lucky enough even getting adopted with my brothers. I just got married like a week ago. And my brothers were there with me at my wedding. So the cool part is, like, I've always had all three families my whole time. So I, got, I was lucky that time. I, I, a lot of people don't get that. No. Never have it. Never knew who their mother and father were. My real father, I think he passed away in jail. But my real mother's alive. And, you know, we were getting abused. And I, got, I think one of the best things she did was give all of us up. Because now we all have great lives. And she's still in our life. So imagine just the mother bear has to got to go to protect us. That's what we all have. And like my, my one of my brothers is a career soldier, uh, you know, the veteran. Uh, one works for the city council and one is a, a general manager up there in Albany and five children. And they just have all families. And I'm out here doing this. Yeah, it's because one mother just protecting her children by giving them away. So like being adopted, it didn't ever hurt me. It never hurt me at all. Like if I wasn't adopted, I would not be talking to you right now. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But I think that her giving you away, she also saved, she saved all of you and she saved yourself. Oh yeah, exactly. Thank you for saying that because yes, she did. Because he did try to kill her, but we'll talk about that. Well, at this moment, and we will continue after our commercial break, Um, Manny, please stay with us and our audience as well. And please come back to the Foxworth Theory. It'll be short. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Hello, I'm Eugenia Foxworth, inviting you to join me every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Foxworth Theory Podcast on the Voice America Variety Channel, the Harlem America Digital Network, and my very own YouTube channel. I interview the movers and shakers worldwide in art, culture, fashion, wellness, and business. So join me. Eugenia Foxworth for an hour of lively talk and information on the Foxworth theory. 
seen on my YouTube channel and heard Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and on the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you. You are listening to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. Now, back to this week's show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Foxworth Theory. And I'm your host, Eugenia Foxworth. And our special guest today is Manny Davis, the son of the legendary Sammy Davis Jr. and Altavis Davis. Now, in 1990, did you understand what Sammy was going through with his cancer? I know you touched on it, but how did it impact you? Okay, so okay, so I did not know. I was like, what, 12 when I adopted, I turned 13, and they actually adopted me, but I was in this life for like eight years, and my mother and father had me travel with them all across the, the country and everything. So it was like... What little kid watches the news? And the thing is, like, all the adults around me knew what was going on. All the kids around me knew what was going on. So, like, when I felt like this nerdy-looking Urkel guy, I didn't know that everybody knew who I was. So, for me, I was kind of, like, I was blinded. They, they protected me so much. So, yeah, when, when he um, fell ill, I mean, when he was away, I thought he, that he was on a, on, a, on a road doing a show. Because, like, I think that... He had a bad relationship with his, his his kids. Like it's been chronicled, you know. Like he he wasn't Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, even to his death, he wasn't Sammy Davis Jr. because he, he always had to work so damn hard, much more than his contemporaries. He just never got it there, and I think that's what this uh, solved his his. Well, I mean, the first marriage was a sham, and the second one was because the world was all racist. Now he's been with my mother for twenty years, but. That means that the kids he had beforehand now lost a mother and father. And so there's a lot of kind of resentment with that. But for me, as a young kid, no, I, I did not know what was going on. Like for me, I was, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was living the dream. I got a chance to see him on stage. I was meeting celebrities, all that stuff. So when he finally adopted me, it became legal. Like I legally changed my name. My name was first Manuel Enrique Walker. Then it got changed to Manuel Enrique Springer. And then I was in front of a judge of age of uh, 13. Yeah, I actually did. Um, are you cool with his name on your birth certificate? I was like, you know what? Because everybody used to call me Little Sam or Sammy Jr. And he hated that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why. But that's all I heard. So basically, what he started calling me was Manny. Years before I changed my name. And so... I changed my name to Manny Davis, and I've been that for 30-some-odd years now. And that's, so it's like become a mantra, you know? He's Samuel George Davis. It's your name. And, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a mantra as well, you know? It's like I, I get a chance to, I wanted to, as a little kid, change the way my life was and the tra- trajectory was going. And after doing that, to lose everything and go right back to where we came from. I don't know. I, 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 never, I never got over it until 
the worst thing happened in my life later on, but we'll talk about that too. And that's my mother's death. Yeah, in 1966, Sammy made the cover of Ebony Magazine. It stated that Sammy was the busiest man in show business. Not the busiest black man, but the busiest man. Was this true to you? Uh, okay, well, okay, so I was born in 76, but for me, <laughs> this is, okay, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be funny, but I heard that uh, James Brown was the hardest worker man in show business, but uh, you have to watch Sammy be like, mm. you have to ask that question, you'd be like, I think Sammy was actually busier than James Brown was. But you know, the messed up part about it is that, I mean, he did it at a time where it wasn't cool for him to dress the way he did. Like he was the first black man on the cover of GQ. That's, that's just, that's his story. That's historic. I mean, but that's history. That's history. Like all, everything I said, that's was totally 100% true. But yeah, he did it way before everybody else did it. You know, he did it regardless of people telling him that he can't do it. That's why his set, his first book was called Yes, I Can. Yeah. Hey. First black man on the cover of GQ, that was Sammy Evans Jr. Nobody knows that though. The first black man, <clears throat> actually the first black couple that slept overnight in the White House, in the Lincoln Room, and, and Sammy was like, I don't know if I can sleep in the Lincoln Room, but it's my mother and father. Nobody knows that either. He campaigned for a Democrat, campaigned for a Republican, and they both shafted him both. Yeah. Well, this is how black people was treated. It's just like a, a black man of his caliber was treated, even though he worked so goddamn hard for him. That's how he was treated. Do you remember the name of the president then? Oh, okay. Okay. I will say yes. JFK sucks and Richard Nixon really sucks. <laughs> okay. I mean, come on. Get Harry yeah, Belafonte. I was thinking the White House when he slept in the uh, in the Lincoln Room. Yeah, okay, wait, wait, wait. With Nixon, yeah, but like, listen, he campaigned for JFK with Robert F. Kennedy. All that Marilyn Monroe stuff that you hear about—that was real. So much real that was written about. But the thing is, uh, Joe Kennedy, you know, he came from the old school. Whatever they're doing, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, but we already know. We already know what it is. So, uh, yeah, Sammy campaigned. He had to sit there and not marry my bread because it might turn the nation into a fracas and right. he may have lost the election. So he opted to sit there and not get married. They can get married after the election, but even then, right? At the inauguration, he was not even allowed, even though, well, Harry Belafonte, I think he's married to a white woman, but he was allowed to sit there and dance perform and be there with her. I think Nat King Cole or something like all those other people. Yeah, but not Sammy Davis Jr. And then Nixon, which, you know, like, um, it's just crazy. What happened with that? That's what, that's one of my father's biggest regrets is uh, campaigning for Richard Nixon. And then I know you weren't alive, but you know the history in 63, Sammy Davis Jr. marched on Washington with Dr. Martin Luther King. Do you think I do that, know that history? Pardon? Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to. Do you I mean, feel that more of our entertainers need to step up and fight for equality? I mean, they there are those who are, but 
I think that's a really great question as well. Okay. So, you know, the world was different in the 60s, right? Um, I feel that uh, it was really cool, whether people were celebrities or not, um, to sit there and stand for everybody having equality. Women with the suffrage movement, the civil rights movement. But the thing is, like, they called my father a sellout the whole time, not knowing he was friends with Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, the Nixons, like, like, all those people. Like, he did march. And he had all his white friends march with them, too. Like, that's what, like, when you have a celebrity, you have a certain responsibility. When you're in public, to sit there and talk or not talk. Imagine the kind of, I feel this, and that's why I could talk with you. And it's going to be it's shown nationally and I just feel comfortable saying what I say because that's what I feel. But there's a lot of people that marched. There's a lot of people that didn't march. But the thing is, like, I, t I told uh, Kevin Goins, I said, one of the coolest parts about Sammy, right? And I'm going to tell you this story. Okay, imagine two, whatever they call it, they used to call this colored, black, whatever, whatever they feel like being PC, Eastern Tunis days. There are two people and both were born colored black whatever and one converted to uh islam and one converted to judaism but they still were on the same side of the the, the, the team and still were fighting for the same cause and his name was sammy davis jr and his other name was not cassius clay but muhammad ali so one they both were Black dudes. One turned to Cassius Clay. Well, well, I mean, someone turned to Muhammad Ali, went to the same every junior, one was black, uh, and and you know, Islam, and one was black and Jewish. And they were still friends, and they always still but the same things for the same times. Yeah, today that's uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now this Fast forward. I like your questions, by the way. <laughs> your life changed when Altavis died. How did your life change? This had to have been a very frightening time for you. All right. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right. My life changed because, um, like I told you, like uh, I was uh, abused in two different households before I, I got taken out of it by Sammy. Mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> I mean, when he passed away, I had to go back to, I mean, we actually, when, we, when I say when I went back, we went back to her mother's house. But Altavis, she still had, she had problems. Drugs and alcohol, but the opulent lifestyle she lived with Sammy. That's what he went through and that she went through. So I had to deal with that. And we wound up moving back to her parents' home. But her parents' home is where I was taken to to get out of the abuse home when I was in before. So I was been, I've been raised by my mother's parents before, like in a transition to going home. So when she passed, I mean, uh, when he passed, we went right back. So imagine a 44 year old woman going back home. Imagine her losing her husband and who she loved so much. Imagine her dreams coming true and everything that she ever tried to get, get taken away from her. The same thing happened to me, but I just happened to be 13, 14, 15 years old, you know? So imagine you in high school, you're eventually going to graduate from high school and then you're on your own. One person's in rehab is not me. 
So I went out on my own. And so for like 20 years, I've just been trying to find myself because nobody understands how hard it is to be a little kid that had done what I've gone, like going through what I've gone through and just dreamed of a better life. And then it actually happens. And then right when it happens, it gets taken away. And you go right back to where you came from. Like, what, what do you do for the rest of your life after that? What do you do when your dreams came true and you actually happened? Now it's gone. And the life just get worse and worse and worse and worse because you've got no parents anymore. Adopted all these damn times. And I mean, who would look, listen to their knucklehead friends? You know, like my friends took care of themselves and I slept on their couches. And the thing is, is like, I didn't learn anything from them. I think the best piece of advice was given, like when I asked somebody, like, what should I do? He said, it doesn't matter what I tell you, because either way, I'm going to be sleeping on this couch with my family. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, that didn't wind up happening. So, yeah. <laughs> but imagine watching it be like, okay, well, that, that was a nice one. But yeah, you got me that time. But either way, you just, I lost myself. And if anything, I, I just want a redemption. And like, like, okay, I lost my dream. I said, you know what? If that didn't happen to me, I would do it like this. So I spent, imagine, the 20 years since my father passed away, before my mother passed away, dreaming if I had my druthers, what I would do to make it correct. And didn't think that was this would happen, but the person that wrote Sammy's first and last book and the person that adopted me and blah, 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 blah. I didn't even know because she fell ill. I just came out here into California and it took me five days to do that. And then five days later, she passed away. And found out I was up there, the sole beneficiary of the state. So I was like, what? Found out, just starting off, there was another will, leaving it to her business partners, her former business partners that actually were screwing her over and the estate and had stole so much stuff. So they had a will. And then, before my mother passed away, they had another will leaving me everything. So imagine your mother passed away. It took me five days to get out here. And five days later, she passes. Never get a chance to really talk to her at all. Never get a chance to say anything. And then, bam, now you got to go to court. Now you got to get lawyers. Now you have no fucking money. And I'm so That's okay. Uh, but it's like, is that fervor, right? So it's like you've been going through all this stuff all your damn life. It's like, what? And then, bam, your first test in life to get everything back, you got to fight for your right to party, like the BC ports. But the thing is, their, their will was so bunk, it's ridiculous. I think I sent you a, a, a video of that. But yeah, like, like I'm going to tell you this. They, um, their will, I'm going to tell you why they lost. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but ah, I think it's public record. But their will left, like, basically, after the people that did the business with them left me 70% of what was going to be left and, like, 30% to my son, um, uh, uh, Jeffrey, you know? Cool part of it is that when I came out here and I read that, I was like, wow, that's really nice. But right now, I have to go to break, and we will be back. To the Foxworth Theory, I am your host, 
Eugenia Foxworth, and Sammy Davis Jr.'s son, Manny Davis. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be right back. Soy Eugenia Foxworth, presentadora del podcast de Foxworth Theory Y les deseo a todos unas felices y seguras fiestas Asegúrense de unirse a mí todos los miércoles a las 2 pm horario del este Para The Foxworth Theory Sintonízame en el canal Voice America Party, la red digital Harlem América Y en mi canal de YouTube de Foxworth Theory You are listening to The Foxworth Theory With Eugenia Foxworth Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to the Foxworth Theory. I'm your host, Eugenia Foxworth, and my special guest is the legendary Sammy Davis Jr.'s son, Manny Davis. Hello. <laughs> what are you doing now to keep his legacy going, Manny? All right, so uh, when I took this over, I just, I mean... One thing I understand is that I wasn't alive when he had to go through everything he had to go through. So what I'm doing actually and what I have done, like basically since he's been in my life, was to chronicle his life, read everything he did, talked about. I like imagine representing him. I have to be his biggest fan. So when people say, hey, I'm his biggest fan, I'm like, uh, no, I am, <laughs> you know, so but like I have to know everything about him. But at the same time, I've known everything about myself. I have to know that I was not born in 1925, 35, 45, 65, and 75, 76. I'm all that stuff that every black person went through. I was not there. I sure as heck wasn't there when he was doing it. I sure as heck wasn't there when he doing all the stuff and everything he had to go through. But I do know what he went through. And at the same time, I, I, I got a chance to live a life. I mean, not with him in my life yet, but I wasn't treated like a nigger. You know, like, but he was. My mother was. And everybody that he knew was. But still, to be honest with you, was treated like that, yes. And it, because we're still black, you know, and they still call us that name. And we call, us, we call ourselves the N-word more than anybody else. And I don't think that's cool. But... You can't call each other a, a brother if they're acting like the N-word. Or call you, the, you know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things. Like, So I, I knew that I didn't grow up in the era that he did. So being a black person, being a person of color, like Negro, like they came up with so many different names other than the name we were given. I just don't understand that at all. But it's just, just I have to honor and respect him and what he was trying to do. He didn't get a chance to go to school and he didn't know anything about the world because they kept him backstage and just on stage or backstage. And but still, he had to find out what the 60s were about when he went to the army, first integrated uh, unit, got painted white, things like that. I mean, this is stuff that people still go through, no matter what color you are. Imagine the Asians. Like, I'm married to a Cambodian woman. And I would be damned if somebody spit in her face because she wearing a mask. Let's try to stay away from these sick people. You know, that would do that to you. you know I'm saying, but my father always had to do that to the day he died, from day three to day nine. That's all he did, was sit there and give people opportunities. 
show them that they, they, they have more potential than they ever dreamed of. It's just like, all you have to do is just like, stop the noise. Stop everybody else's noise around you and just believe in yourself. And try, <laughs> try at least to do something. Yeah, they'll be like, I can't do this. Like, how can you do this? I don't know. You gotta do all this. Did you try? No. It's like, well. This is how you're going to keep this legacy going. I, yeah. I believe because I think you've already started it. And, and, and now it's just a matter of putting everything together and completing the whole thing. I mean, even this little snippet that we're doing now will keep the legacy going. As I said, I watched the classic stations, the swing and uh, sound, you know, and I've been listening to his songs. Uh, they, you know, they're playing his song. So you may have, you have a part of it. See, I'm gonna tell you this though, because I have to say this to you. This means a lot to me. So this is not a little snippet to me. It shouldn't be to you either. And that's the way you gotta kind of go with it. This is not little to me. Our conversation, never got a chance to talk about what I've been through. And you gave oh. me that. So it's not little to me at all. So oh. I hope, hopefully it's not little to you, but. No, like, it's not. I'm just thinking, I'm just, a, well, not just, we're doing a podcast, but now I know it's, it's bigger. It's as they say before, bigger than life, because if this is a first, then this is the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell you something. If I mean, like you said, it's live. So this is one thing I actually tell people, and I believe in myself, and I always embrace it every day. But I always say, you know, there's always going to be the centers to sit there and tell you you can't do whatever. I tell everybody, don't, want, don't be the one person in your life to tell you that you can't do something. Everybody can say no all they want. and can say, yes, I can. It's like Sammy did. But you don't be that person to say you are not this person. You can't do what you want to do. That's what I want to help people to understand is like, I mean, I, I got lucky, you know, but I don't know how my life would have been other than that. But if I had a dream, I mean, you might as well pursue it a little bit and find out if you can or cannot do it, you know? But you can do a lot of people don't feel that way. <laughs> you can do anything you want and you're beginning and you're doing it. You're talking now. You know, I don't believe in anyone saying you cannot do anything. Like that, you, you remember that old picture where the little kid was like, God, don't make no junk, because whatever. <laughs> like, right? No, I mean, I, I, I am glad that you told this story to us. And I hope that many, many, many more people know it. Um, and it's a part of history. It's a part of your life. And I, there should be a movie. There's no movie. There should. Oh, be okay. So, you want you? Uh, that's another question, or uh, you want to? No, tell I'm me? just making a statement because um, this we're winding down, and I just voiced my personal opinion. Can I tell you something? Yes. It's a, another wonderful story. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, just left like um so i'm married now but before my previous relationship she had just like ghosted me totally and i had nobody to talk to you know and sometimes you get solicitors calling you and everything so there's this number that called me and i'm like whatever it just felt 
nice to hear somebody else's voice, but the voice in your head. So I'm like, okay, hey, what are you doing? He's like, hey, um, is this Manny Davis? I'm like, you think it's a bill collector? He's like, uh, you're afraid to say your own name? I'm like, yeah, like what? So he said, this is Lionel Richie. Oh. And I'm like, okay. And then we start talking and then it's like, I only gave him 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. What did you say your name was again? This is Lionel Richie. I'm like, okay. I start talking to him for a couple of more minutes. I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to stop your bill. What you saying? Okay, you said your name was Lionel Richie, right? Like, you know how that sounds, right? He's like, yeah, I know, I get it all the time. I'm like, okay. So, and then he started talking some more. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> you say your name was Lionel Are you Lionel Richie? Like, the Lionel Richie? He's like, yes. I was like, so I'm Manny Davis, so the same Davis Jr. on the phone, and Lionel Richie called my phone right now. Talking about making a movie about my father's life? Yes. Okay. And then I gave him like a couple of more seconds. I'm like, okay, so if this really happening, and then he, he stopped it. He said it took him one time, 15 minutes to convince the person that he was talking to about some other project that he actually was Lionel Richie. So once we got through that, yes, officially with the children, um, you know, a lot of people have these stories about, okay, let me take the phone down. <laughs> you know, like, anybody have all these stories about they're making a biography, but um, or you know they're they're not. But I actually is he is like going to? I already signed the option with Paramount. A yes. Years ago. But it's just like, hopefully, this no, podcast no. is going to see them like, hey, no. who has two thumbs? Not this guy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> but I officially, I am the, I am the sole beneficiary of all his rights. The majority rights owner already have the movie rights and everything else and entertain people. And you are a part of that tribe. And I am so pleased that you were able to tell the story and that to find out that I am the first one that did. Thank you so much. And I'm sure the audience has appreciated it as much, if not more than I. And at this time, I'd like to thank Manny Davis. And I'd like to thank everybody for being a part of this. Yes. <laughs> and my team and the Harlem America Digital Network and Voice America. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be on every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please watch the Foxworth Theory with me as your host, Eugenia Foxworth. Thank you, everyone. Be safe <laughs> and travel safely. And stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Foxworth Theory. Be sure to join us for new shows every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And the shows are also available on the Harlem America Digital Network. We'll talk again next week.